Welcome back to part two of this episode. I really hope you enjoyed part one. Now let's get back into it. When you had that triple basal dose, Lucas, yeah. was it was it like a gradual was it a gradual change in terms of like you coming out of that resistance? As in if your sensitivity had essentially kind of started coming back down to its normal, let's call it range, but you yeah. still had triple the dose of basal, I would imagine that's going to be pulling you down massively. So was it almost like a, was it a gradual like decrease of basal while you were noticing at the same time, the, the re-increase of sensitivity? Like how did you yeah. kind of navigate that? Um, so again, that's quite a challenge because you didn't want to do it too quick and go, right, okay, oh, day one, I'm going slightly lower. I'm trending lower at this time. So I need to decrease my, my basal. That'd be brilliant. Oh, wait a minute, next day I'm high. So it's like, right, decrease slowly. <laughs> right, is there now a trend happening? Rather than, I've just assumed this is a trend, but actually I was just active yesterday and that helped. Is it because my basal level is now too high for my everyday sort of business? Yep, right. So a couple of days in, right, decrease slightly. Am I still seeing that trend and coming a little bit lower? Or have I started to go back up? Um, and so all these three sort of calculations going on day to day as well to make sure that it was the right time to move back down on basal level mm. um, and not do it too early, but not stay on a dose and maybe having to fight it and take multiple sugars and right, okay, I need to have more carbs or don't have a full carb dose for my dinner for my pre-bolus, right? Okay, because things like that, then all of a sudden you're on your wrong dose again. Because if you're not taking your actual carb count at meal times, what's the reason for that? Because that's then not your carb count. So that means your basal level's too high. So it's like trying to work out and go step by step. When's the best time to come back down? Things like that, just slowly, right, okay, that's the sensitivity increasing, right, okay, I'm in range, a bit better across these three days across this week, right, okay, when am I seeing that I'm going high? Is it in the morning? Is it at night? Is it around meal times? Because if it's meal times, it could be my pre-bolus has changed, or it could be higher carbs at that meal. Um, so that's not my basal level. That's my food and my Nova Rapid. So it's wee bits like that that you're trying to work out and see the trends as well. Hmm. It's like you're re-diagnosed again. Yeah, aye, it really was. Except even more unpredictable because things change <laughs> and have changed almost on a daily basis. Yeah. Like for, for the most part, when you're initially diagnosed, things are kind of consistent. I know the whole thing is brand new to you, yep. but generally your day to day is probably quite consistent. Whereas with this, it sounds as though Lucas, things were quite literally changing day to day, hour to hour. So it was yep. almost, almost impossible for you to actually spot a reliable trend or pattern to make any adjustment towards. Yeah. Cause then it was like, you're decreasing your prednisolone. Um, so then that should be bringing your blood sugars down slightly and increasing your sensitivity. But then you're taking Ademiluiab every fortnight. So you've just decreased one of the things that's bringing you high, but then you're taking a dose of one of the things that's going to take you higher again. Right? Mm. So when do you adjust your insulin, knowing that it should be going down, but this might be now going up? Is it the right time to do it? What trend have I seen prior to this dose? All the wee bits would just... Aye, relentlessly mm. getting checked for weeks on end to try and find any sort of pattern mm. that was coming up. 
was this something that you kind of got any help with? Because I, I would imagine, obviously, the the nurses or doctors that were helping you with the 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 issues relating to Crohn's, they're probably not as well versed in diabetes as as you are potentially. Was this kind of like a was this you and you trying to kind of figure out these patterns or trends, or were you getting outside much, help from anybody? Uh, this was very much me on my behalf. Uh, my mm. endo team's brilliant. Um, got a lot of respect for them, but they're always like, you know what you're doing. You've got more yeah. than most of our patients, so we'll leave you to it. Yeah. And then I remember just before my sort of flare, I was in one of the appointments and he had one of the student nurses in and he's like, okay, Lucas, tell him what you do at competition with your insulin timing and tell him this and tell him that. And then he's like, well, so who told you how to do that? And I was like, well, I figured it out myself. He's like, comes back around to and he's like, normally we say don't do that to patients. <laughs> Because you don't understand <laughs> yeah. it, but Lucas, you're fine to change it. Yeah. Um, and so it was sort of checking in with them and saying, right, okay, I'm in a flare. Things might be different. They're like, right, okay, that's fine. Your last one was brilliant. Um, just keep an eye on it. You know how to adjust it. So that sort of reassurance from them to, yep, you go about it as and when, rather than phoning us up, we make a decision. It takes a couple of days to kick in. You mm. then phone us back and we're fighting against that few days that we've missed when you're seeing it every hour, every minute. Um, again, the Crohn's team, they were good as well, and they were like, for us, you're managing it better than what we could imagine, what we could hope for. Um, we know this is going to have an impact. They linked in with the diabetes team as well um, to say, like, when they wanted to increase my dosage again on prednisolone, is this safe to do if he's still going to be out of range? Um and then come back to me and feed the information that, yeah, that's fine, but you're going to need to manage your diabetes as best you can. Um, mm. So it was very much diabetes was my responsibility. Mm. Crohn's and stuff was their responsibility. But it's interesting to to think about it, like because you were, and you are so confident of your management, even just based on your experience up to this point with nutrition and training and lifestyle. Imagine you hadn't, that confidence prior to mm-hmm. this scenario, this situation, it probably be, it would have been an absolute nightmare. I know it was a nightmare, but it, it likely would have been even more difficult. Yeah, to have that understanding. And I think as we'll see the technology we've got now with Dexcoms and Libras and pumps and stuff like that, where you can spot trends a lot faster than what you would with just your general finger prick mm. was huge in being able to spot this and try and deal with it. But even just having the Dexcom or having a Libra, it doesn't mean that you understand what's going on in that app just because you've got it. It's all right, okay, I can see what my blood sugar is now. I can see it for the last 24 hours, but actually, what does that mean? Hmm. And for a lot of people, that's a challenge as well. So not having that level of sort of knowledge and that sort of confidence that I've got with that would have been so hard, I think, to manage and probably would have made the process so much longer and probably would impact actually recovery from the flare as well. Because of being out of range, you're not getting that same recovery. You're not sleeping as well. Your body's mm. fighting against that the whole time. So if that was to be constantly in the background, if you're running high, if you're sitting up at 18s throughout the whole day, despite taking a, so a correction dose, and you don't know how to come out of that, because you've done what it said on the piece of paper, of take this amount of units for your correction dose, mm. What do you then do um, if you don't have that sort of confidence, that understanding? Mm. I think that even just highlights the importance of having that confidence and that understanding. You know, not that everything has to be perfect, but yep. 
God forbid, something unpredictable like this happened to someone living with type one. If you have that kind of core fundamental confidence with your management, like it's not going to make it easy, but you're definitely going to be in a better position to actually recover more efficiently and effectively, which is massively, massively important. Yep. How did training fit into this or did it fit into this at all, Lucas? Because obviously you're somebody who I would imagine a large part of your life is surrounded by your training because you love it so yep. much. You're essentially like an elite powerlifter and weightlifter. Yeah. Like how did training fit in or did it at all? Prior to going to the hospital, it was up and down. It was here and there. It was, I was trying to listen to my body, right? Okay. Your body can't handle training tonight. Don't train and things like that. And that was hard as well mentally. Like when you're thinking, right, I should be training for this call. I should be doing this. This is the session I've planned. This is my normal routine. But my body's telling me I shouldn't be doing that. Then obviously going to the hospital with no activity. First day I came out of the hospital, I went to the gym. First day I was like, I need to go back to the gym. There's no two ways about it. I'm going. Didn't you? Do, uh, sorry to interrupt, but is that you did this when you were first diagnosed too, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Because yeah. I, I remember you told me that, and the doctor was like, "What are you doing? You can't, you yeah. can't train." Yeah. <laughs> oh, and stop. then they were like, oh, and I was like, "No, I need to go." So I went back and I did barbell squats and I did some upright rows and some wee bits. And I was like, "Right, just a bit of resistance, but nothing heavy." But I need that. And for me, like the gym is almost like my safe space. That's where I go. Um, and I was like, I need to train. And then a couple of days later, I was like, I need to go back. Did the same again. And I was like, right, I need to start squatting heavier. So after two sessions of just doing the barbell, I was like, right, I need to squat heavier. I can't just be messing about. Um, so I was like, right, okay, I'll do three sets of 10 at 110. That'll be fine. And then I was like, that was actually manageable. Maybe I should go up. And it was like, all oh, I thing I'm like, right, I need to push myself, but maybe hold back. And I remember going up to see the Crohn's team and I was like, right, I'm like, hi, so we think like a bit of time off. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, when can I go back to work? And they were like, oh, so we, we'd probably say another week or two. And I'm like, right, so when can I start training? And they were like, mm, probably about the same time. I was like, oh, I've already started. <laughs> and they were like, eh, okay, that's fine. And I was like, because if I'm going to go back to work next week, I need to know that I'm strong enough to also go to the gym. I was like, because if I'm fit enough to be in the gym, I'm fit enough to be at work. And they were like, right, okay, that's fine. I can partly understand your logic with this but just <laughs> yeah. try and hold back if you can and I'm like right so step by step day by day I was like I just need to train need to do what I can um, but training was completely different across this time from what I'd normally be doing um, but again a lot of it was based this time more around resistance work doing slightly more volume as well on that side of it rather than the big sort of heavy doubles heavy cleans um, on a quite a few sets of squats and stuff. It was like, right, get the big compounds in, but do a lot of them, get that high volume so the muscles are working. So all that insulin's flowing around the body. You've got all that oxygen. Try and do a little bit more cardio than maybe what you're used to if you can. All these wee sort of changes that impacted training made it slightly different to what I'd be used to day to day, but also trying to increase that sort of sensitivity again and also mm. make it manageable despite how I felt. And has that had a benefit on things up to this point? Like, has it yeah. has it helped improve? Definitely. Um, and I think it's, obviously, everything's been playing its part. Um, Understanding the app, doing the management, getting out for more walks, but going to the gym, doing the resistance work, and being in there and getting back into a pattern where that has an impact on that day's 
insulin sensitivity, it has an impact on your mental health for that day or them two days, what happens the next day, etc. Get into that routine and that sort of flow again where you can manage that diabetes and train as you normally should or as you normally would. Looking back on this like six-month period, Lucas, that has obviously been incredibly challenging to say the very least. Is there anything, like, is there any lesson you can kind of take from that? You know, we, we often hear of like people going through, and we talk about it too on this podcast, as you know, and how, as we have done previously about like the, the positives you can take from diagnosis and yeah. all these types of things. Like, is there anything that you think to yourself about this experience that you can take from us move, moving forward? I think as well, like, I spoke about this. Let me just turn that light on. It's getting a bit dark. <laughs> That's, that's the Scottish Hills getting yeah, to get out the windows now as well. Um, for me, I think, and I spoke with this with the, the team as well up at the hostel, I always knew in the back of my mind this wasn't a disease that was going to go away. I could be in remission and that was fine. And again, with the medication, one of the medications I've went back on to, I've not been on that medication for five years, I think we worked out. And they said, well, it's quite a big step to go back onto this type of biological treatment. And I was like, but for me, I always knew that was an option. I was always involved in that part of my care with the hostel and the understanding that things will change over time. Things can be good, things can be bad, just like in your diabetes management where something can creep up and it changes that diabetes management because you've got diabetes for the rest of your life. It's not going to change anytime soon unless we get some sort of new treatment. But as of right now, you're type 1 diabetic and that's the reality. Same with that I've got it. It's in my bills. Also, if colitis is still there. But for times, it's not going to be any impact on my day-to-day life. But when it is, it will have a huge impact. So being prepared and having that understanding, I think, was helpful. But more so than when it did happen and being in hospital and ready to come back out, taking it with that same positive attitude of, okay, this is right now, but once this is sorted, however long it may be, when this flare eases off and the treatment's working and it's kicked in, things will be back to how I expect to live. I think Mm. for me, it's just always planning that of how can you work with what you've got? What does Mm. it actually mean for you rather than you throw your toys out the pram and, oh my God, disaster, I've just had this. Okay, what does it actually mean for your day-to-day life? And what can you still do? And what do you still want to do? Because if you still want to do something, likelihood is if you put in your steps in place, you're going to achieve it. But if you say, well, I wanted to achieve that 5K, but I've just got this and that's it. I'm never going to be able to run again. Is that reality? Or is it just you've tore your hamstring? You're going to need a bit of time to recover and build back up to doing your running. And it's sort of not trying to catastrophize. I think that's a huge thing that this teaches you. You just can't catastrophize that because it's not going to, it's not going to make any difference at the time. It doesn't bring you any more joy or make you feel any better by catastrophizing it. So just deal with it, start to plan around it. Mm. And deal with it. for example, when I was in the hostel and they told me, this is the time frame right now, what we're thinking, best case scenario. Um, and I was like, well, that means competitions are out the window for the rest of the year. But that's fine. I just need to squat to on a kilo instead. And the doctor You're just was like, what? And I was like, I'm just going to need front squat heavy or back squat 200 into it. And he was like, eh, okay. Kind of taken aback as if, what did I reply to this? I've just told you 
this is like the end of your year competitively wise like training is going to be different and you're just like right okay I'll just do this instead and it was like straight away it was like right what else can I do love it love it why do you th- why do you think you're like that I'm see because I'm fascinated by that type of that kind of mindset that somebody has for whatever reason is it yeah. something that's almost innately in you is it something that you develop like why do you feel that was your response as opposed to to use your term throwing your toys out of the pram and kind of being upset by it your response isn't gonna yeah. squat 200 kilos <laughs> yeah and it was just instantly as soon as he said it right this is the time frame and i thought oh that's the scottish championships gone oh, that's the british open gone and i thought right i'm just gonna squat 200 and he was just like well mm. and i was like well that's the time frame um and i think i've always kind of been like that when something happens it's just like you deal with it whatever it is you need to, and you process that yourself you take in right this is what it means for me but what else can i do how can I overcome it? Hmm. How can I prove myself wrong? Like if my body is making it harder for me to achieve that for whatever reason, how can I prove my body wrong and hmm. say that actually I'm stronger than what's going on inside of this? Um, so mentally, I think that's a huge part of me and it's almost that stubbornness of I can't stop. Like I will beat it no matter what it is. Like mentally, I'm just like, I need to do whatever I can. Mm. it's like when I go into a flare and I'm like I can still do everything I want and you're planning your day around the toilet and you're like can you really do everything you still want I'm like no I can like and so it's that sort of innate stubbornness of just I will succeed Mm. with this Uh, partly growing up like my dad's got Crohn's disease as well so seeing him throughout his whole life and sort of my childhood and him trying to do as much as he could for us um, probably had a huge impact on the health complications he's had with that um, but also my sort of coping mechanism, if you like, for years was to just go and do anything and everything. If I put my mind to it, despite what people said, I'd go and do it. I'd just go and try. Like, just put your effort in and see what happens. Go mm. out and say, I remember being 14, 15 and cycling 50 miles on a BMX. <laughs> I mean, because no people said, you can't cycle 40 miles on a BMX. I'm like, I bet you I can. Yeah. Like and just going and doing it, not for money, not for oh, I'm going to prove it. Just like I bet I can. Like why can't I do it? What's telling me I can't go and do things like that? Like surely it's all mental, and obviously you're completely fatigued. But you're like oh, I've done it. Um, mm. And so from a young age, I think I was very much like you can go and achieve these things. Just go and do it mentally. Like that's mm. what's going to give in first. Love it, hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. And I think. And like, even personally, I think about this stuff a lot, like that type of chat, like a physical challenge, a mental challenge, whatever it is. And oftentimes it, well, not oftentimes, every time it's a decision that you make first, because it's like the, the physical thing then follows a decision that you've made, a decision to do something, a decision to take action on something, a decision to, as you say, not give into whatever has come up. Yep. And like you say, that decision, I always think about like three decisions in life that like can change everything because each decision you make has another decision mm. leading on to it. And whether or not you've realized that at the time, and that could be from your personal life, from a relationship to something physical in the gym to something with your, your health and taking steps to get a personal trainer. Right. So what was the first step? Cause that wasn't the first decision you made. 
your first decision was right you want to improve your life so the second decision do you get a personal trainer or not the third decision was another part of that process and all that starts to take an impact and often I think people don't see the multiple sort of steps that they take and the multiple decisions they've made but for me I definitely agree with you like Mm. there's a decision somewhere that leads you down that path before it actually happens Mm. if that's giving up in a physical activity what happened prior to that because you don't just go that's tough stop there's been something happening before you've got to that point remember that so your breathing started to get really heavy and you're struggling to get your breath back okay so this is getting difficult oh my legs are giving up they're getting tired i'm doing this run i'm getting dehydrated so that's another decision that you've made where i've not taken enough water Mm. not enough carbohydrates in my system it's not just what got tough i stopped when did it stop because you carried on at some point through a bit of pain Mm. to get there so how bad did it get why did it get to that point and i think that's a huge thing even with diabetes management is what decisions can you take to make it a better process 100 percent. what we were actually talking about this earlier in the week lucas about how like specifically when and you can relate this to all areas of your life too but specifically in relation to your diabetes like you are the biggest asset in terms of the action that you take the decisions that you make the things that you decide to do or not decide to do and that's the flip side of it as well we're talking about making a decision but oftentimes not making a decision is also still making a decision without you even realizing it so if i decide to to not do something about whatever's going on if i decide to not take action on the thing that i'm struggling with whatever that is yeah that essentially is still a decision but it's just not as obvious of a decision does that make sense no definitely and you could say it's like when you're in a high and do you take your correction dose at that point or do you not take a correction dose because both of them are a decision you're taking that are going to impact your timing range are going to impact your diabetes management Mm. but at the time it's like oh i've not made the decision because i've not done anything about it but actually you've made that decision not to treat that high or that low at that point so what does that mean for the rest of the day and what decisions do you now need to make or for the mm. rest of that week or the rest of that month um or like listening to your diabetes team at the hostel and stuff and do you listen to them or do you not listen to them do you take it on board do you put them steps in place or do you wait and see mm. do you be proactive and take steps yourself prior to your next appointment or do you just say oh my next appointment's in three months time i'll not change anything until i speak to them Mm. just put a step in place and go actually that decision could work and i could get better by the time i go and see the hospital again or i could put another step in place make another decision and that will have better impact or maybe not Mm. maybe not every decision does work out right exactly knowing that as well and going right okay i made that decision i now need to face that consequence as well Mm. yeah yeah it's uh a conceptual sort of conversation that I that I feel like I could talk, I could talk about for days and days. Yeah. But speaking of decisions, uh, Lucas, when we're obviously coming into 2024, what decisions are you hoping to make or what are you expecting or hoping from the year in 2024? Back into competition. Uh, that's a huge part. That's straight away something that I want to get back into and compete again. And obviously right now we'll see what sort of shape and form that means I go in going with um but as of 2024 back into competition um and just again deal with any health issues that come up and 
face any other challenges that I need to and mm. just hopefully another good 2024. What about yourself? What's your thoughts right now for 2024? Um, I've, I've been considering it. Like there's, there's a couple of things in the back of my mind that kind of all, are always there. But coming into the new year, I'm I'm never one, I'm never a big person for like massive New Year's resolutions. But I always like to, because it's a good time of year. I always like to try and find some time to like really think about it and really consider it. Because oftentimes, and even just from my own perspective, sometimes you can kind of get stuck in the daily weeds of like doing doing this doing this doing this doing this doing this and it's almost like you don't actually have specific time to set aside to really consciously think about what you want or what you expect for the year so i can't really give an in-depth answer just yet because it is today the first of december and over the next two kind of two three-ish weeks i'm really gonna consciously like set time aside to just yep. be in silence essentially and just think about what I want from the year but I'll definitely get back to you um, okay, I look forward to it even just a, even just a, a quick one it's it's obviously in relation to you but I had a friend recently who had like a a bit of a health scare similar to to you when we had our first conversation on the podcast and I told them to listen to your podcast because it was a similar type of, you know, scenario, similar type type of circumstance. And it went about three or four weeks for him to officially get tests and results. And I was like, listen to this podcast because it sounds like what you're going through. Now, thankfully, nothing too serious. Yep. But he listened to the podcast and he was like, I really needed that podcast because what you spoke about, and I'm going to tell him to listen to this podcast too, uh, but what you had spoke about and your your mindset and your kind of mental frame around dealing with the whole challenge was massively beneficial to him. Um, so he gives his thanks. And the way you, I think, I think, you, I think you had said it in the, the last episode, but it's almost like that type of, time frame where you're like trying to you're you're waiting for test results you're catastrophizing as you say yourself it is like mental warfare yeah. because you're automatically thinking the absolute worst case scenario and mm-hmm. it it just consumes your mind consumes your energy know, it's, it's, that's draining and you do it naturally but then the hospital so adding to that so they say we're testing for x y and maybe yeah. this but it only impacts so and so and you're like my god I didn't even know that was an option yeah I never even considered that and it's like if you go for like a, a routine checkup or test and you say these are all the side effects this what this is what might happen or you might die yeah but then if you get used to that and you're like right okay so there's always going to be a risk but no matter what you do mm. so whatever happens will happen and it's cliche to say it but what we will be isn't it and mm. You just need to deal with it once it comes up because worrying about it and going, oh, I might have this or this might happen or uh, it's not going to help when it Mm. actually comes up. Mm. It's just going to make you more stressed. You're going to internalize all that. You're going to feel dreadful and you're just going to be making yourself mentally in a much worse place that could impact your physical health in other ways as well that you aren't even getting tested for. Mm. So it's like, I try and 
take everything with a pinch of salt and just be mm. dealing with it as it comes up. But it's hard to do. Mm. It's easy to say, harder to do. Much easier to say. Much easier to say. It's like a, a very, I suppose, a, a, a very simplified example or a different example of that, not as extreme. It's like when you say to yourself, oh, I'm not going to react emotionally to my blood sugar. You know, yep. like it, it's, it's so easy to say that when your blood sugar is in range, but if you've, you've carb counted, you've taken your insulin, you've pre-bolused, whatever, and then you still spike up to 15, 16, 17, like it's yep. not as easy to say, oh, I'm going to react in a positive way. <laughs> yep. but, but ironically, that's the only time that it actually matters because that, that thought process is irrelevant when you're in range, it's only relevant and it's only beneficial when you're actually like being tested in the moment. Yeah. And it's the same with the the more kind of dramatic or severe examples that we're touching on with more serious things. But um, really enjoyed this conversation, Lucas, as always, not surprised. And like I said, at the start of this, I wanted to almost purposely come in unprepared in the sense that yep. I knew that we would just have a great conversation. and. It was a great conversation. Really enjoyed it. And I really appreciate your time again. So thank you so much. No worries. Thanks for your time again as well. It was a good catch up and a good chat. So hopefully some of the listeners take stuff from it as well and benefit like they did the last one. Absolutely. And let's hope we'll do round three, right? Round let's three. Uh, let's make sure the health is even in a better place at that stage. Yeah. So I look, I look forward to that, Lucas. All right. Yeah. But in the meantime, happy new year, happy Christmas. And I'll speak to you soon. And to you as well. All the best. Take it easy. Another massive thank you to today's guest. And if you haven't already, be sure to check out their social channels and links that we've included in the episode description. If you enjoy the podcast, which I'm guessing you do because you listen, be sure to rate, subscribe and share. It really, really helps the podcast get heard by more people when you rate, when you subscribe and when you share. If you feel that you've been able to benefit from it so far, likely someone else would be too. If you have any questions or stories for myself and Graham, please do not hesitate to reach out. We absolutely love getting in the email stories and questions. You can do this through theinsalonepodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to learn more from me, stay connected or even work with me and other people living with type 1 diabetes who want to be fitter healthier and happier within my type 1% better online program. You can message me directly through Instagram or you can fill out an application form through the link in the podcast description. And as always, another massive thank you to you for your time and your ears. We greatly appreciate you showing up each week, time after time, ready to gain knowledge and confidence around your diabetes management. So until next week, Have a good day. Have a good week. Look after those blood sugars and I'll chat to you soon. Take it easy.